God, we thank you that whatever our circumstance, we can say it is well. And we trust in you. And God, we commit this time to you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's so good to see you all this morning. Thank you for being here, and thank you to those watching online. We are so grateful that you joined us. Um, I wanted to mention that, that I thought the Carltons did such a great job with the scripture. Um, they have to stay at home because William has an uh, immunity disease. He has, it's easy for him to like catch a cold or whatever, and so he has to be very, very careful. So anyway, they are staying home. And so uh, William is one of the reasons we wear masks, because if he were to get something, it would be very serious. I loved how um, ever so often, you know, they would look up, the kids would look up and realize they were on, you know, and so they'd smile, or Henry would smile, and then go back to it. So, and, and good for William doing, the, I don't even know that he can read yet, but they, you know, they worked it out for him to do that. So, um, incredible family. We're looking at John 11, and I want to just recap it for you a little bit. The women, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus that he who you love is ill. They were close friends, and Jesus often stayed there when he went to Bethany, and Jesus tarried, and we don't know exactly why, except he felt like he was supposed to stay where he was, and he did, and then when he arrived, um, he, knew, he knew that Lazarus was dead. Martha came to see him, remembering Martha was the first one to go see him. Um, and Mary stayed at home, stayed with those that had gathered to pray with them and to um, mourn with them. And Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And in a couple of commentaries, one of them in particular, the, the man said, you know, that he felt like they were, she was mad and yelled at him. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I would yell at Jesus <laughs> at any point in time. Um, and I don't know, I just think she was in pain and in grief. We don't know. We weren't there and neither was that guy. So anyway, uh, she goes back and tells her sister that Jesus is here and Mary runs to Jesus to see him and and again says the very same thing is repeated in scripture, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so it goes on and talks about how Jesus went with them to the tomb, that he was grieved, that he wept. And, and the very last scripture was, people were saying, couldn't someone that had opened the eyes of a blind man, couldn't he have healed Lazarus? Um, in, interesting comments. We are in a season here in our land where we need healing. We're in a season here as a society, and, and just even with what we're having to do, life is so different. Uh, Chiv was asking me a while ago, he said, do you think by Christmas, when do you think we can be back to normal? And I have no clue. Um, Chiv greeted me this morning with saying, are you ready to rock and roll? And... Um, I said, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm not exactly sure about the definition there, but anyway. We are in a time of anxiety. We're in a time of loss. It's, it's not an easy time. And there's a need for healing. I think there's a loss of trust um, in individuals and in our land. 
When we talk about healing, and that was so much a part of Jesus' ministry, you, you see the summaries of his ministry in different places, and it talks about how that he was preaching the good news, teaching in the synagogues, and healing people. And so it's very much a part of his ministry, and it's a part of our ministry as we follow Christ. But I think sometimes we have a hard time trusting healing, in part perhaps because of images on TV, Uh, And I'm not trying to make that the sole reason, but I think, too, maybe we prayed for someone and it didn't go as as we thought it would. Um, In my opinion, the images on, in many cases, on TV, and I'm not trying to slam your favorite, whatever, evangelist, but, but to make a show of it when it is a sacred space, in my opinion, is wrong. And so, and I don't say that to try to slam anybody, but you see sometimes these images on TV, and if I'm honest, it kind of looks like a circus. And so, then what do we do with that? You know, how do we respond to that? How do we bring the gospel to the people that are around us? There's so many different types of healing. There is emotional healing, and there is mental healing. There's physical healing, which a lot of people focus on when all of them are needed, and then there's spiritual healing. And spiritual healing is when you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. And that's the greatest miracle in your life and in my life. Would you agree? I mean, to, to understand God's love for us and to repent of our sin and to receive what Jesus did on the cross for us, he said, I, he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and I am the life. That is quoted in every funeral I have ever been to, right? And he said to this woman whose brother had been in the tomb four days, he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet will he live. And that is the promise of the resurrection. That is the promise to us. Catherine Kuhlman, who was known years ago um, with healing ministry, um, and I can't say, I'm, not that they ever asked me, but I was totally comfortable with, with everything I saw. But she commented, she said, the greatest miracle is someone accepting Christ. That is the most important thing we do. And so clearly the gospel message is so incredibly important for all of us. It is also said that in her, she would have these large meetings and stuff, and, and that she would weep over the people who were not healed afterwards, that it was so moving to her as far as wanting, desiring people to be healed and why weren't they healed and all of that. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so there are hard questions. Uh, I listened to a, um, online, a YouTube video about Francis McNutt's life. He died in February. He died in January. He was 96 Uh, And he was very famous for healing ministry. He came to this church and ministered with his wife several times years ago um, on Pearl Street. His his wife's ministry at the women's retreat a zillion years ago was incredibly important in how God was moving in the church at that time. And, And Francis McNutt was so good about answering hard questions and saying sometimes it's just a mystery and we don't know. And that's not a cop out. The cop-out is when people say, well, you didn't have enough faith. Well, well can, can I say to my friends, <laughs> I think that's spiritual abuse. 
I think that is abusive spiritually if someone says, when there hasn't been a healing, you didn't have enough faith. I mean, oh my goodness. I've heard people say that when there wasn't a healing, well, there was sin. Well, the newsflash is I'm a sinner. And I'm guessing, you know, most of you, anybody want to raise their hand that they're not a sinner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The camera just went to you, sir. Um, <laughs> good to know. So, and I think the person saying that, you know, was in sin, even insinuating to somebody that is struggling with health issues that there's sin in their life. Oh, my goodness. I mean, to me, that is a cop-out when we can explain why what we desired to happen did not happen. And yet, we don't have the big picture. We just don't. We see a little part of it. I appreciate Francis McNutt because he didn't dodge the hard questions. He didn't, you know, just leave the room or, or whatever. But he really tried to genuinely answer Sometimes there are incredibly insensitive things said uh, when someone dies, and people don't know what to say. When I was maybe 13 at Cocker Hill Method, I probably shouldn't have said the name of that church. Anyway, uh, a woman there who was uh, pregnant um, fell in the bathroom, and she ruptured her spleen, but they didn't know it. And so basically, she bled to death and the baby. And it was horrific. You know, and this was a zillion years ago. Um, but as a teenager, sitting at the funeral and thinking, okay, you know, when there are things it's hard to explain, we wonder, okay, how's the preacher going to do this, right? And he said, um, and I don't agree with this, but he said that um, God needed a flower for his garden. And so he picked a flower. Now, I would just argue that God made flowers, <laughs> so right? He doesn't, I mean, to me, that's like, when we don't understand, it's okay to say, I do not understand, but I am going to trust Jesus, and I am going to press on. So, sometimes people say things that they, they'll say, well, God just took him. Or, you know, if there's some kind of disaster with a tornado, well, God just, whatever. Um, well, the fruit of the Spirit, Right? Love, joy, peace. You know, we can go through all of that. When you see destruction, that is not God. When you see destruction and chaos, you know, he's the author of life. He's the author of, of peace and creation. Hezekiah is a very famous king in Israel. And... Um, in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, those guys were all bad. All those kings were bad. Southern kingdom had about four good kings. This was after David was king and the, the huge triumph of his you know, kingdom. This was after Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom split. And God kept saying, you need to repent. He kept sending after one after another prophets saying, you need to repent. And the whole story of Jonah and Assyria and going, and he didn't want to go to Nineveh, it, because Nineveh repented, that, that country repented, it gave the children of Israel more time to repent, and they never did. It gave them a hundred more years. And then the Assyrians came in. 
So Hezekiah was a very famous king, and he was known for his intercession. He was known for, for his praying for his country. And when the Assyrians came and said, you know, we're going to kill you and eat you for lunch, when, I, when Hezekiah prayed, he said, God, what they say they're going to do, they've done to other people. But God, I'm looking to you. God, we ask you to move. And God sent one angel to kill over 100,000 soldiers. And the king of Assyria got up the next morning and he decided it was time to go home. And, um, you know, things did not go so well for him. So Hezekiah was incredibly famous in that. that you can, today you can go through the, the Hezekiah's tunnel where he brought water into Jerusalem and that type of thing. And yet there came a time when Isaiah came to him and said, the Lord is saying that you're going to die. And he didn't want to hear that. It says Hezekiah turned and looked at the wall and he was praying and he was asking God for more time. And it says as before Isaiah left the court... The Lord said, go back. And so he told him that he would have 15 more years. We so sometimes focus on this life and what we have, and that makes sense. But it is not, it is not even a portion of what heaven will be. And we so focus on, and I do too, we focus on this world when really our life will begin when we see him face to face. We're pilgrims. We're on a journey. This is not for forever. So God did grant Hezekiah 15 more years. In that time, Hezekiah's reign really declined. People came to see him because he had been healed and he showed them, you know, all of the weapons he had. He, you know, and Isaiah said, that was not a good idea. Hezekiah in that time had a son named Manasseh. And Manasseh was one of the most evil kings. And it is thought that Manasseh was the one who killed Isaiah. So do we trust him? Do we trust God when things are hard? Do we trust him when there's been a job loss or there's a problem with, with a child or you know, the world just seems to be so completely off kilter do we trust him? Do we trust his goodness? Do we trust his love for us, his unconditional love for us? From your first breath, he loved you. And by his spirit has been drawing you to himself. Do we trust him with our pain? And a lot of times the answer for that is no, at least for me. I mean, I think, okay, I'm in this problem. And I forget to go to the one that died on the cross to carry my pain. Right? The enemy can sometimes so put us in a position where we are thinking, okay, I don't, you know, I need to pull away when what I absolutely need to do is hold on and trust God that he's going to redeem it. Somehow he will redeem it. Judith McNutt talked about that, um, that when Francis would have times of healing and they would have conferences and they mainly were for teaching and training people in ministry and he was very low key there was not it was not flashy he was very low key and just training other people that they could be vessels of healing as well healing is in God's hands our job is to pray and so she said she was nervous at times when someone would want to come to him and pray and there'd be this audience and she said okay if nothing happens 
you know, everybody's faith is going to be affected. And he told her, when we all pray, God is doing something. And you may not be able to see it, but God is moving. God is moving. We have to trust in his goodness. So what do we do if things happen that we don't know or that we didn't want to happen? Number one, it's not the end of the story. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You hold on. I don't think God lets go of us, but I think we can walk away or we can distance ourselves. Hold on. The pastor of First Methodist Tulsa years ago said, talked about healing, and it was a spiritual church, and he said that healing either is in an instant or it is in the process or it is in the resurrection. So often healing, even in conferences and places where people were known for healing, there wasn't always the zap. It's a process. In fact, Francis McNutt uh, turned the phrase, you know, soaking prayer. We continue to pray for people. We continue to pray, trusting God, trusting his goodness. So what is our testimony? Will we love God regardless? Edith Schaefer, the, the wife of uh, Francis Schaefer, the very famous theologian and um, she commented one time about going to the hospital to visit with someone that had come down um, with a very serious illness that had happened very quickly. And it was a matter of days, and he knew the Lord. He knew all of that. And she said what, what God really spoke to her that helped her was, even if things don't work at, as we want, when you take your last breath here, you will be taking your breath in heaven. When you, when you close your eyes here, you will be looking into his face. Oh, my goodness. You know, can, can we even get a handle on that? And she said, it's like the cloud of witnesses, you know, in Hebrews 11, and we're running the race. And for all of those, the company of heaven and those that are here on earth, how will they see our testimony? And she said to that man, will we choose to love God even if we don't understand? And my friends, in my opinion, that is faith. That when we don't understand, but, but we know scripture is true, that he loves us, he cares for us, he is good. We say very easily sometimes God is good all the time, all the time God is good, right? And yet when you're in a hard place, the greatest faith is to say God is good all the time. And he is. Our testimony is that we love him no matter what. A woman came to me when I was at Hillcrest Church on staff years ago. The kids were little. Robert was like four, maybe, I think. Um, and a woman who was a pretty famous missionary, Mary Dunham, who uh, traveled a lot and traveled with a team of women and, and men. And uh, she was about to go to Africa, and she'd been caring for her mother for several months and got the news that she was about to board the plane that her mother had died. And her brothers and sisters were like, you have taken care of her, you know, go on your trip, come back. And, but they, she was very uh, torn by that, but decided she needed to go on. And she came and sat in my office, and, and she was just crying. <laughs> this was afterwards. 
And she said, I went to mother's grave and it was just this dirt. And she was just, you know, and her mother was a believer. I mean, she knew all that stuff. She missed her mom. And I I was like, (laughs) great, what do I say to her? So I, I prayed and I felt like the Lord said, pray that she gets a vision of heaven. And that's what I did. And she did. And it was amazing. If we could get a vision of heaven, if we could get a vision of of all that Jesus died so that we could have. And she was a totally different woman leaving, not because of me, but because God showed her the vision of heaven. This is not our home. I mean, we for whatever days the Lord has us on this earth, we need to be faithful. But our home is heaven. And what a blessing for the gospel. What a blessing that we can repent of our sins and receive him as our savior and have eternal life and walk with him. Francis McNutt in the last few uh, months, I think, of his life, he would, when he would have conversations with people, he would say, well, goodbye for now. And his wife asked him about that and he said, because, you know, I'll see them all again. Goodbye for now. Really an incredibly powerful word. How incredible is the love of God that even when we struggle, even when things are hard, even when we don't understand, he still loves us. And even when the enemy twists things or whatever and and we don't know what to do, God still loves us. And even when we think he doesn't care, he still loves us. Because he does care. Please pray with me. God, in this time, we thank you that you are healer, you are savior, you are redeemer, you are creator, you are love, and you are good. And Lord, in places in our lives where we have struggled or where we do not understand or it looks like the nation is just in such turmoil, we know, Lord, you speak and bring healing. God, may we be vessels of the gospel of the good news that you are the resurrection and you are the life. And even though we will die, We will live in you. Thank you, God, for the joy that is heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that is in relationship with you. Thank you, God, for community. That we walk this road called life together. And when someone is sad, we walk with them. And when someone is okay, we walk with them. We are family. So, Lord, I do pray your healing, your redemption, your touch this day on every heart that is here. Lord, you know needs. I don't know, but, God, you know what's going on. So, Lord, in this time and in this space, we thank you for your touch. And that when people pray, you're doing something, even if we can't see it. We honor you, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.